0: Welcome to episode 121 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Kani. In episode 120, our previous episode, we asked the question as we looked at the holidays at a time for giving why not give to ourselves? <laughs> in that episode, we spotlighted authors we talked with on the show. In today's episode, I'll give you my top 12 ranked in order everyone should have in their library. We've researched and covered these books, which provided us some very juicy stuff. We hope you found interesting. I'll include the links to the books and episodes in the show notes for your convenience. So let's begin the countdown. Number 12, trust yourself, stop overthinking and channel your emotions for a success at work by Melody Wilding. Wilding introduced us to the concept of sensitive striver so we can get out of our way and rediscover our sensitivity as a superpower. And I like this, all of us using our superpowers. Here are some aspects of being highly sensitive and highly performing that she offered us. We need time to think through decisions before acting. Oh God, (laughs) absolutely. Judge yourself harshly when you make mistakes. Oh my God. Take feedback and criticism personally. (laughs) I think I did a couple episodes on that. And find it difficult to set boundaries. Okay, so like all the time? (laughs) She makes the point that sometimes being a sensitive striver can lead to overthinking, everything, and burnout. One of the things I liked about her book, and um, it'll be a theme for a lot of the books I like, is that she draws on decades of research with clients and offers neuroscience-based strategies. So if you're an empathic, driven person trying to navigate your career and learn how to believe in yourself in the process, this book is definitely for you. At number 11, Think Like a Monk, Train Your Mind for Peace and Purpose Every Day by Jay Shetty. In this book, Shetty draws on his time as a monk to show us how we can clear the roadblocks to our own potential and power. He combines ancient wisdom and his own rich experiences in the ashram. Think like a monk reveals how to overcome negative thoughts and habits and access the calm and purpose that lie within all of us. He gives us advice and exercises we can all apply to reduce stress, improve relationships, and give the gifts we find in ourselves to the world. He reminds us we can all think like a monk. I included this book in one of the more popular episodes I've had, which was about love, kindness, and leadership. Shetty states that kindness and gratitude are symbiotic. What that means is that if we've ever done something for someone else's benefit, You can easily recognize the effort and energy someone else gives to you. So our own acts of kindness teach us that if our own kindness enables us to feel truly grateful, kindness teaches gratitude. He offer some great exercises to be present to this in our life. Number 10, the bully at work. What you can do to stop the hurt and reclaim your dignity on the job by Gary and Ruth Nammie. Oh, Got a bully in your life? <laughs> this book is for you. <laughs> the Bully at Work exposes destructive, silent epidemic of workplace bullying that devastates lives, careers, and families of millions. The authors, Gary and Ruth Nami, are pioneers of the campaign against workplace bullying and have done a ton of research And one of the mind-blowing results was that they found 37% of American workers have been bullied at work and 12% have witnessed it. So almost half of the workforce has been impacted by bullying behavior. We covered a lot of the findings, which included the top reasons bullied individuals gave for being bullied. And the number one reason was that as a target, they refused to be subservient Or did not go along with being controlled. And the second one was that they had superior competence or technical skills than the person that was doing the bullying. You'll want this book to remind us we are not alone and we can take some steps to help ourselves. I wish I had had this book when I was going through this difficult time myself. Number nine. The Courage to Teach, Exploring the Inner Landscape of a Teacher's Life by Parker Palmer. This book builds on a simple premise. Good teaching cannot be reduced to technique, but is rooted in the identity and integrity of the teacher. Good teachers share one trait. They are authentically present in the classroom, in community with their students and their subject. They possess a capacity for connectedness and are able to weave a complex web of connections between themselves, their subjects, and their students, helping their students weave a world for themselves. Connections made by good teachers are held not in their methods, but in their hearts. The place where intellect, emotion, spirit, and will converge in the human self. When we choose to live authentic lives. And I think we can all substitute the word leader for teacher and see that connectedness is the way we overcome our fears. Number eight, stop missing your life. How to be deeply present in an unpresent world by Corey Mascara. It was in episode 42 that I introduced this book as well as the Parker Palmer book when exploring receiving feedback and resentment, shame, anxiety, fear, and curiosity. Where Parker Palmer talks about connectedness, Mascara takes that further and offered this from his book. We built internal walls, what he describes as a pain box inhibiting us from living a deeply connected and meaningful life. He offers a four-part face model, which means focus, allow, curiosity, and embodiment that helps us chip away at those walls and builds our capacity to experience the richness of our lives. Number seven, Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk, true, be seen, and Finally, Live Free by Terry Cole. This was one of the first books to rock me at my core. Terry Cole offers us a way to break free from over-functioning, over-delivering, people-pleasing, ignoring our own needs so you can finally live the life you deserve. At the time I was going through hell with a family member (laughs) when I found this book and realized I had been hiding my own feelings behind passive-aggressive behavior, denying my own truths, and pushing my emotions so far down I'd get so frustrated and explode. Cole offers actionable strategies, scripts, and techniques that we can use in the moment whenever we need them. One of my favorites was how to manage boundary destroyers including emotional manipulators, narcissists, and other toxic personalities. You know anyone like that? Oh, yeah. This book is for women who are exhausted from overgiving, overdoing, and even overfeeling. If you're getting it all done, but at the expense of yourself, give yourself the gift of this book, Boundary Boss. Number six. Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. What I liked most about this book was the idea that tiny changes can lead to remarkable results. He makes the point that if you're having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system. Bad habits repeat themselves again and again not because you don't want to change, but because you have the wrong system for change. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. I thought that was so interesting. Another thing I liked is that he draws on the most proven ideas from biology, psychology and neuroscience to create an easy-to-understand guide for making good habits inevitable. And he offers us four laws of behavior change. One, make it obvious. Two, make it attractive. Three, make it easy. And four, make it satisfying. He also reminds us that a lack of self-awareness is poison. Reflection and review is the antidote. I ended that episode 70 with a quote James Clear had in the book from the Tao Te Jing. Here it is. Men are born soft and supple. Dead, they are stiff and hard. Plants are born tender and pliant. Dead, they are brittle and dry. Thus, whoever is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death. Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. The hard and stiff will be broken. The soft and supple will prevail. Number five, Bittersweet. How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole by Susan Kane. Brene Brown had this to say about this book, quote, Bittersweet grabs you by the heart and doesn't let go. There was so much good stuff from this book we covered in three episodes. (laughs) Bittersweetness is a tendency for longing, poignancy and sorrow, an acute awareness of passing time and a curiously piercing joy at the beauty of the world. It recognizes that light and dark, birth and death, bitter and sweet, are forever paired. If you've ever wondered why you like sad music, if you've ever found comfort or inspiration in a rainy day, or if you react intensely to music, art, nature, and beauty, then you probably identify with the bittersweet state of mind. Kane combines research, storytelling, and memoir to explore why we experience sorrow and longing and how embracing the bittersweetness at the heart of life is the true path to creativity, connection, and transcendence. It is the quiet force that helps us transcend our personal and collective pain, whether from a death or breakup, addiction or illness. If we don't acknowledge our own heartache, she says, we can end up inflicting it on others via abuse, domination, or neglect. But if we realize that all humans know, or will know, loss and suffering, we can turn toward one another. I want to share with you a passage from this book, because it's a passage that I cannot forget. And if you're having any tension or trouble with your mother, <laughs> like I have for the last couple years. (laughs) I found this to be truly inspiring. So let me read it to you. And I believe I included it in the episode. But it's so good, I want to say it again. (laughs) She gave the example of a friend who'd cut off contact with her mentally ill, physically violent mother. This friend happened to be studying with the Dalai Lama at the time, and her abusive mother begged to see her again. The friend was scared of her mother. She didn't want to see her, but she felt guilty. I'm spending all this time with the Dalai Lama, she thought, and I don't want to spend time with my own mother. She asked the Dalai Lama's advice. He suggested that she send... Her mother loving kindness from a safe distance. A heart full of love doesn't necessarily require physical presence, he said. If she were the child and you were the parent, he said, the responsibility would be different. You would have to be there. But as the child, the love can be present even when you're not physically together. So I hope that helps you a little bit. Every time I read that, I feel very centered about things, and it truly helps me. So this is a book that is truly, truly yummy, and one that can really help with healing. Number four, Build the Life You Want, The Art and Science of Getting Happier by Arthur Brooks and Oprah Winfrey. This was a rather recent episode for us to cover this book, and the key point was that we can not get happier, and getting there will be an adventure for sure. This is another book drawing on cutting-age science and their years of helping people translate ideas into action, and they show us how to improve our life right now instead of waiting for the outside world to change. And I love this one point that Oprah made in the book, and I wanted to share that with you. She said, I have learned to live my life so that I'm attached to the work I do and the things I create and the people who matter to me, but not in a way that involves expectations. It's a lesson I learned the hard way. After the movie Beloved, a movie I worked 10 years to bring to life, based on a novel I revered, came out. When it bombed at the box office, I sank with it. Though at the time it seemed that the experience might crush me, what happened with Beloved ultimately freed me. Today, everything I do, anything I make, any suggestion I float or advice I give, it's all just an offering. If it works, it works. If it's accepted, it's accepted. If not, I have lost nothing because I had no attachment to a particular result. This has made for a much, much happier life for me, and I wish the same for you. But all I can do is wish it. What you do with it is up to you. Number three, half the sky. Turning Oppression into Opportunity for Women Worldwide by Nicholas Christoff and Cheryl Wudun. If you do any nonprofit work for women and girls, this book is a must read. With Pulitzer Prize winners Nicholas Christoff and Cheryl Wudun as our guides, they take us on an Odyssey through Africa and Asia to meet the extraordinary women struggling there. Among them, a Cambodian teenager sold into sex slavery and an Ethiopian woman who suffered devastating injuries in childbirth. Drawing on the breadth of their combined reporting experience, they give us a world with anger, sadness, clarity, and ultimately hope. They show us how a little help can transform the lives of women and girls abroad, that Cambodian girl... Eventually escaped from her brothel and with assistance from an aid group built a thriving retail business that supports her family. The Ethiopian woman who had her injuries repaired and in time became a surgeon and a Zimbabwean mother of five, counseled to return to school, earned her doctorate, and became an expert on AIDS. Through these stories, Christoph and Wu Dun help us see that key to economic progress lies in unleashing women's potential. I was introduced to this book through my friends at Women's Day Movement. So grateful to them for this and the work that they do in the world. Thank you. Number two, no bad parts. Number two, no bad parts. Healing trauma and restoring wholeness with the internal Family Systems Model by Richard Schwartz, PhD. You may remember that Kiki brought me this book and talk about books to help us heal. This is one I'd recommend. Just consider the title No Bad Parts. (laughs) So, so good and I love the episode we did around this with Uri Talbor. Basis of Internal Family System or IFS is that all of us are born with Many sub-minds or parts which are not imaginary or symbolic. They are individuals who exist as an internal family within us. And the key to health and happiness is to honor, understand, and love every part. You may remember that Kiki brought me this book and talk about books to help us heal. This is one I'd recommend. Just consider the title, No Bad Parts. So, so good. And I love the episode we did around this with Uri Talbor. The basis of Internal Family System, or IFS, is that all of us are born with many sub-minds or parts, which are not imaginary or symbolic. They are individuals who exist as an internal family within us. And the key to health and happiness is to honor, understand, and love every part. Our parts can sometimes be disruptive or harmful, but once they're unburdened, they return to their essential goodness. When we learn to love all our parts, we learn to love all people, and they will contribute to healing the world. Here's what Uri had to say.
1: The idea is... Well, obviously, this is one of the core concepts in IFS is that we do have multiplicity. He used to call it multiplicity of mind, and now he he calls it something a little bit different. I like to think of it as multiplicity of consciousness, Um, just giving it a little broader lens, um, because we seem to have parts come out of different levels of our being. So some of them are very mental, but some of them are very somatic and feel like they come out of our physical body, kind of like that's the source. And then some are very emotional. Um, So regardless, we can have essentially multiple personality disorder with what's now called dissociative identity disorder. And his view of it is that we all have that. It's just some people, and Ross Green, the parent trainer who created collaborative problem solving, the model I mentioned earlier, He has this brilliant brilliant uh, little quip about the The DSM is what we all have, just a whole lot worse. And that's true about everything that's in there, essentially, as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. So we all have these different parts and altars. And and a piece around the no bad parts is that if you understand the context in which those parts were created, it's really easy to have compassion for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in that sense, there's no bad parts. Um, And the other very non-pathologizing piece around this is that you can have an appreciation that you're not just this part. You don't just get frustrated and irritated. Sometimes you have compassion. Sometimes you're very caretaking. Sometimes you're in self. So just being able to have a context that we're more than just any one part just softens things significantly.
0: And our number one, drum roll, please. Number one is Atlas of the Heart. Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience by Brene Brown. I know you're probably not surprised <laughs> by this one being number one. I have found this book to be important in understanding who we are as people so that we can become the leaders we want. All 87 emotions that define our humanness. And I think you found this, too, because the most popular episodes are around this book. Brene Brown wrote this. If we want to find the way back to ourselves and one another, we need language and the grounded confidence to both tell our stories and to be stewards of the stories that we hear. This is the framework for meaningful connection. Oh, so good. And isn't connection all about leadership? I'd love to leave you with this clip from that episode 15. One of the things that Brene Brown says is that if you identify the biggest barriers to developing brave leaders or cultivating courage in our families or bringing justice to community, I'd go right back to what I believed was true when I was a kid. People will do almost anything to not feel pained including causing pain and abusing power. Very few people can handle being accountable without rationalizing, blaming, or shutting down. And without understanding how our feelings, thoughts, and behaviors work together, it's almost impossible to find our way back to ourselves and each other. When we don't understand how our emotions shape our thoughts and decisions, we become almost, almost disembodied from our own experiences and disconnect from each other. So when, when I saw that, I went, oh man, boy, how much more powerful you could be as a leader, right? If you mm-hmm. could connect.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, compassionate leadership, for example, how do we connect? How do we guide leaders who are in that situation now? What's it look like? And I know that, you know, Sheila has always said to me, you know, we have to understand who we are. One of the things that we can look at is, you know, when we talk about our emotions you know, why they're so important, like connection, like what does that mean to us? And what what could it mean to leaders? So um, she defines in the book connection to be the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. I hope you'll check these books and authors out for your own wish list. And I'm so grateful for the authors who wrote these amazing books and share them with us. Next week, I'll be putting the spotlight on some women who made amazing accomplishments in 2023. I hope you'll join us again. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. And make sure you get these books. They are amazing. Okay. Please join us again. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. Bye.